0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors. My name is John. And um, one of the things that the scripture tells us to do um, is to call on the elders of the church and to pray for those who are going through difficult times or to pray for those who are struggling uh, with, um, illnesses or, or sicknesses. And, uh, we have had a lot of, um, requests as a, as a church corporately, um, to pray over pastor Brian. And, uh, and so, um, we want to take a little bit of time in our service today, um, to do that. And so I am going to ask all of our lay elders, as well as our pastoral elders, if they'll join me, uh, here on stage for those that are in this service. And, uh, um, we're gonna ask that as a church we pray corporately, and uh, and so it may um, feel a little bit awkward to you, but if you're comfortable uh, with it, um, we would ask that you stand where you're at, um, even extend a hand in uh, unison of joining uh, our elders lay hands on on Pastor Brian, and uh, and we're gonna have a few minutes where as a church body uh, we just pray for complete healing. We've already seen God do a lot of work in 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 His life and. Uh, And uh, we also pray that uh, you remember Miss Carrie and uh, the rest of their family as they go through this as well. And so we're going to just take a few minutes and, um, again, pray uh, together. Again, if you feel comfortable, you can lift your hands towards Pastor Brian. And then I'm going to ask one of our elders, Scott, to uh, lead us together in a prayer. So if you would join us in, in prayer.
1: Father, we bow before you today. Give you glory for everything that goes on. Father, we bring these prayers and petitions to you today. Knowing how Brian feels about prayer, we know that uh, he spoke many times in the pulpit that You give a pastor a wife, and they will either cut, it, cut their ministry in half, or they'll double it. Well, we know that Ms. Carey has done more than double Pastor O'Brien' ministry. You know, what a warrior you gave him. And that warrior is in a fight alongside of Pastor O'Brien. We thank you for that. We thank you for the heart that she has to, to make things happen. Thank you for letting her be the vehicle for you making those things happen. God, I thank you for Pastor Brian. I thank you for all the struggles that he's going through. We know that trials and tribulations are only temporary. We thank you that uh, doctors and nurses have lined everything up. We thank you for the preparation being made. We ask you to prepare their hearts and minds and hands for the surgery to come up. We thank you for this congregation. We thank you that we're all here and, and, and worshiping corporately and praying to you that you would uh, just ease the tensions, that you would uh, bring Brian through this weekend and, and allow him to, to feel peace about going in on surgery. And I thank you for each family here, and I thank you that the representation of, of uh, your church body is so great. God, that uh, the sanctuary is filled and that that hearts are filled. God, we just open our hearts today and allow you to to fill us with your joy, knowing that Pastor Brian is in the best hands possible, the ultimate healer you. God, I thank you for that. And I thank you that we get to stand here and ask these requests. God, I pray that uh, you will just ease his mind today and allow him to, to speak boldly and proclaim your name and the truth from the pulpit. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank y'all
2: so much. I uh, appreciate truly your prayers and uh, all the, um, the the comments and the the notes and and um, those who've reached out either to me or to my wife. We appreciate that in uh, so many ways. And I'll be honest with you, I'm used to being on the other side of that, and it's a little uncomfortable for me. And I'm not exactly sure. Um, uh, it's it's been a little different and, and a little humbling. And I, but we appreciate. Um, the love and care that you've always shown to, to me and my family. And I'll tell you, you know, I feel fine um, physically. I, I'm, I'm not anxious about it. I have moments just like anybody would, but um, I'm not fearful. I feel good about what's happened so far. I feel good about where we're going. And, and um, I really do believe that no matter what happens, that God's going to be glorified. And that's um, what we're keeping our eyes upon. So we appreciate you uh, very much. Now, if you don't mind, turn your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 19. Um, we're going to look at Paul and, and uh, Corinth and some people that he comes across. And he has a, a conversation really unlike any other almost in Scripture. And I want us to look at that and to see what we can glean from it. So Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. And if you'd please stand in honor the reading of God's word. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, when when Paul came across these men, they were believers. They professed to be believers. But as he began to interact interact with them, he recognized that something was missing and that something was the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that testifies to what God has done for us. It's the Holy Spirit that brings out good in us. It's the Holy Spirit that works through us to minister to other people. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to be regenerated, to have life. It's the Spirit given by God to us that is life in us. And one of the things that the Scripture tells us clearly, and we're going to show some Scriptures here, is that the moment that you come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you. And one of the things the Scripture tells us is that we are, Jesus called it, being born again. And you know what, sometimes we kind of get this idea that, well, you know, I mean, I was a pretty good person, and I just kind of need a little bit to get over the hump. But the scripture tells us clearly we were dead in our trespasses. We were spiritually dead. And that's hard for us to kind of recognize and to believe. But the fact is that when we come to know Christ, we are made alive through Jesus And it's the Holy Spirit that brings regeneration to us, that takes us from death to life. That's the whole picture of baptism. It's being born again, but it's also dying. Going into the water is a symbol of us dying. And then coming out is a symbol of new life. We are created newly created in Christ Jesus. We are new creatures. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And the Holy Spirit in us is the good that comes out. You know, it's God's Spirit. That when we do things that are selfless, when we do things in ways that love other people, that's the Spirit of God that works in us. And there should be a change. Now it's not perfection yet. You know, the scripture also tells God's not done with us. And that's the work's not going to be completed until we see Jesus face to face. And then we're going to be transformed in that moment to be like him because we're going to see him just as he is. And so in that moment, it's going to be finished. Everything's going to be done. We're going to be perfect without sin. But in this life, we're in the in-between stages. But every believer ought to be able to say and talk about, here's what I was like before. And then I met Jesus. And now here's what I'm like now. Here's my life now. And there should be a difference from one to the other. Now, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It wasn't like, well, I was a dirty sinner and then I met Jesus and now I'm perfect. That is not how it works. But there's a difference. There's life where there wasn't life. And the Holy Spirit is the evidence of that. In Romans 8 9, Paul says, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Now, we still sin, but you know what? Lost people don't have any choice but to sin because they're slaves to sin. But Jesus came to set us free from slavery. So we're not controlled by our sinful nature anymore, but we still sometimes choose sin, but we're not controlled by it. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So it's over and over again. You know, you'll you'll hear there are people say, well, you know, you get saved, then you get the Holy Spirit later on. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's no baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul makes it really clear right here. When you, get the, when you get Jesus, you get the Spirit. Now, there were some signs in Acts, and we saw some of those in the verses we read earlier, where the Holy Spirit showed the rest of the world that he existed in them. Through speaking of tongues of other languages, um, through different kinds of prophecies that would come on people. When they were saved as as Peter was given the keys to unlock the gospel for different groups. First to the the Jews, then to the Samaritans, and then to the Gentiles. And each time there was a sign that accompanied it so everyone else could see clearly that the Holy Spirit was hearing that this was a work of God, okay? But the Spirit comes to us the moment we believe. It's not a second occurrence, it happens that moment. Once you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Now later on the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means the more we go through our life as believers, the more we should be emptying out the things that are not of God, and the more we allow the Spirit of God to control us. That's called growth. Becoming like Jesus. It doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over a period of time. But the moment you get the Spirit, you got life. Because the Spirit of God's in you. Romans 8, 16, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. It is the affirmation. You see, if you can look at your testimony, whatever it might be, and there's no difference and there's no life, and there's no spirit to affirm, then you need to go back and examine your testimony. Do I really know Christ? I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. Because, I'm gonna tell you up front, every believer is gonna have moments where they're like, man, if I was really a Christian, how could I have done that? Now that's the, that's the enemy accusing you. That's not God. The enemy is an accuser. You know, there, we have different names. When Satan was in heaven, he was one of the angels and his name was Lucifer and it meant the morning star. It meant beautiful. But now he's called Satan because Satan is an accuser. It means one who accuses. So when he allowed sin into his heart and he was cast out of heaven, he became an accuser. And so that's what he does. He accuses believers. And when you hear... That in your mind, how could you do that if you were a Christian? That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the enemy in your ear. Because he's an accuser. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. He identified as, you, as, as his own. By giving you the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit of God. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a believer. It's, it's, it's that simple. And it's that clear in the scripture. So don't let people tell you, well, you don't, you know, you need you need the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you got him. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, what you need is Jesus. And you'll get the Holy Spirit thrown in as a bonus. Okay? But you need Jesus. All right? So, first John five, nine through thirteen, since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. All who believe in the Son know of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. See, anybody that tries to tell you that Jesus is something other than the the true and the only begotten son of God who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross, the Bible says they're lying. Anyone who doesn't believe this, they're actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his own son. God testified verbally, verbally. When Jesus was baptized, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You see, that's, that's one of the things that the Spirit does is it testifies with our spirit that we belong to God. Now, Paul was able to sense as he talked to these people that they didn't have the Holy Spirit, that they were missing something. But the fact is that most of us, you can't look at somebody and go, you know. now sometimes you can see people. And you're like, man, I see the Spirit of God working in you. But you can't always tell just by looking who has the Spirit and who doesn't, who's a believer and who's not. The Scripture's clear. There are many that are going to fall away that never belong to us at all. That's what it says in 1 John, that there are many who are going to be, they're going to come from within our church, but they're going to leave and they're going to bring false teachings and they're going to turn against the church. And what he says is they never, they have never belonged to us at all. They were counterfeit. And see, even these men who were claiming to be believers, they were trying, but they weren't really believers yet. We're going to get to that. See, there's a transition in this time that's happening with Paul. And the transition is, there was in the Old Testament, it was a faith that looked forward, okay? And when Paul asked them, Do you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they replied, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't even know. They had no idea. Now they believed what John told them, that somebody was coming, That's what John told him. He said he baptized them for their sins. It was repentance of sins, and you know what? It was symbolic. It was a a way of saying, kind of a place of commitment. Hey, I I know I've been in sin. I'm going to stop. But let me tell you what, it didn't fix anything. It was a gesture. Now, it was a gesture of repentance, and that has meaning. But it's not like the baptism where they were baptized by Paul here is different. We're going to talk about that too. But they didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. You see, in the Old Testament, here's the thing. Under the Old Covenant, the priest stands and ministers, this is Hebrews 10, 11 through 18, and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. See, in the Old Testament, it's just like they would be baptized for repentance of sins in the Old Testament. They would make sacrifices. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Okay, there's none. And so they would shed blood, but it was animal blood. And it would give appeasement. But it it wasn't a payment because it didn't wipe their sins out. It just made it okay between them and God for a short period of time. But then they had to do it again. And then again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Because it, it, it didn't fix it. And all it was doing was pointing to that it was going to be fixed. It was going to be fixed. But in verse 12 of Hebrews 10, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. You see, Jesus came and sacrificed. He was the sacrifice that's good for all time. So here's, here's part of what you can see from this. You might think, well, as a believer, I've struggled with this sometimes too. You know, you, you're lost. You, you come to Jesus. You ask for forgiveness of your sins. And you get it that, you know, hey, God forgave me of all those sins I committed before. But then as you go on in life and you learn more and, and you, you sometimes do the same dumb things over and over again. Anybody else? Or is it just me? And there comes a point where you're like, how could I have done that? And I mean, did God really, am I really forgiven for sins that I commit now when I know, know, know better? How could it cover those sins? Well, here's the deal. Jesus made the sacrifice for your sins before you would committed even one of them. So it was finished, the work of offering forgiveness was finished before the sin you sinned yesterday, before the sin you sinned today, and before the sin you're going to sin tomorrow. It was finished. And this time in the Old Testament, and these people that Paul ran across, they're all looking to something that hadn't happened yet. And it says in Hebrews eleven thirteen, 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Now, let me tell you what that means. You know, the Bible says that when God came to Abraham and said, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I want you to go to this land. It says that Abraham believed God. How do we know he believed him? Because he gathered up all his stuff and he moved where God told him to move. And what does this say? God reckoned it to him, or God credited it to him as righteousness. You see, God reckoned, credited to Abraham what was going to happen, what was going to come, that Jesus was going to come someday and die on the cross for the sins of Abraham and everybody else that believed God. So that when they believed in that time, they believed forward. They believed in something that hadn't happened yet, but that it would happen. And so that verse I just read you in Hebrews 11, they died believing what God had promised them, even though they hadn't received it. See, they had to live their whole life knowing that their sins weren't wiped out. But God had reckoned it to them as righteousness. He gave them credit for something that hadn't happened yet. But now we're in a different place. We're not looking at faith forward like they did in those days. We don't believe that, okay, someday God's gonna do something We believe that faith is finished. The work that is necessary for us to put our faith in is finished. The work of forgiveness is finished. The work of sacrifice for our sins is finished. And it was finished when Jesus declared on the cross, it is finished. The full penalty had been paid. The full price. For every sin I've ever committed and every sin I ever will commit, For every sin you've ever committed and every sin you ever will commit. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And so they were baptized. You see, here's the thing, is we have a a different order than they had in the Old Testament. You know, in, the, in John's baptism, they were baptized for repentance of sins, but it didn't symbol a new birth. It didn't symbolize new life. It didn't symbolize that they had been cleansed. It just symbolized that they were repenting. Now, when we're baptized, it has a different meaning. Hebrews 9, 25-26, he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. You see, now when we believe God in faith, we're believing what Jesus has already done It's already done. And that's why the order of how things are is so important. You know, you've heard me talk about it, Ronnie's talked about it, we've all talked about it at different times, and that's about having your baptism in the right order. And the reason for that is, is that baptism is a symbol of something that God's already done, because we're in the finished faith portion of, of the history of man and the history of God with man. You don't get baptized thinking something forward. You get baptized for what, something that has happened. You see, if, if baptism by itself would save you, we would have teams of men like Scott Jackson and other, some other big We would just have trailers and we would go up and down the streets. And we'd see somebody, and we'd just, hey, come here, give them a piece of candy, grab them, dunk them, let them go. You're saved now, man. I've done my job. It's good. Now, we might end up in jail a lot, but we'd do it if it meant people were saved. But that doesn't save anybody. There's an order to it now. See, here's the deal. Every single person makes that decision for themselves. You can't make it for anybody else. Nobody else can make it for you. Your parents couldn't make it for you. You can't make it for your kids. Now, you can raise them up in the ways of the Lord. You can teach them. You can show them. You can testify. But you can't make them trust Jesus. And you know what? We're, we, we try to be extremely careful with kids in particular because we know you can manipulate, you can get people to say things. We want to make sure they know what they're doing. That's why if somebody comes and says, hey, my child's eight and they want to be baptized, hey, that's awesome. We want to sit down with them and make sure. Because here's the deal. You can, we don't want to confuse people by talking them into doing something and they're not really sure. And they're certainly just not sure about what they're doing just so that we can feel better about it. We want them to know. Because you know what? When you follow Christ, there's enough doubts to deal with on your own without adding some. So we want people to know. Now, the flip side of that is, I want to tell you right now, if you got a child and they want to, they want to accept Jesus, don't push them away thinking, well, you know, you know, I want them to be 15 so they'll really, hey, let them when God's calling them, you don't know when God's going to call them. God called Samuel as a prophet as a small child. Spoke to him in the night. I was called. I, I was saved when I was seven years old. There's others that have had that same testimony. Now I also know people that are like, me, you know I didn't because all my friends were doing it." And hey, when I went down, I went down by myself. I didn't go down with any friends. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I knew what I was doing. I knew that I wanted to be saved. And so we wanna make sure kids know. And it's important that you do it in the right order. You See, God's gonna tell them when it's the right time. And our job until then, as parents, as adults, as leaders in this church, is to pray for them, is to show Jesus to them, is to tell them as much as we can, answer any questions. And one of the things I tell parents, let them drive the train. If they're coming to you saying, hey, I want to do this, answer their questions. And if they go, okay, i am thinking about it, then let them think about it. But when they're saying, I want to do this, listen to that. Get some help, we're here to help you. But let them drive the train. In Acts 10, 43 through 48, it gives the order of belief, Holy Spirit, and baptism. He is the one, this is when when Peter was opening. You remember in the first parts of Acts, we talked about how God gave him the keys, and those keys were to open the gospel to different people groups. He did it to the Jews first, then to the Samaritans, and then to the Gentiles. And here he's doing it to the Gentiles. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. As they were listening, they were believing. The moment of belief, the Holy Spirit came. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. See, those signs were there for the benefit of the Jews so that they would see that the gospel was being opened to the Gentiles. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So there's belief, Holy Spirit Simultaneously. When they receive the gospel message and they put their faith in it, and then there's baptism. That's the order now. That's the order in the way that it works. And here's why it's important. Number one, if you get baptized before you're saved, you may be having a baptism of repentance, but you're not having a baptism of salvation. Because that can't happen until you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit. And then when you're baptized, now you're testifying to the world that you're a new creation. You're identifying with Christ in baptism. You're identifying with all the other believers. You are identifying as one who has died and then been raised to life. And you can't testify to that unless it has actually happened. And so that's why it's important. And you don't be like, well, you know what? So what? I'm a little out of order. I understand that, and I'm not trying to dismiss any kind of experiences that you might have had in your journey to come to know Christ. But here's why it's important, is because it says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. He's not a God of chaos, he's a God of order. And here's why it matters, is because the order God lays out for us is important, and it is right, and it is the best way to live. And you know what? I, through, my, through the years, I've seen a lot of people get saved in groups, come forward, make a profession of faith. And I can tell you right now, you can usually see a difference between the ones who follow through and get baptized and the ones who don't. Not always. It's not a sign of, it's not, like I said, it's not, a sign of salvation, but here's what it is. It's the first thing God asks you to do after you're saved. It's to be baptized. And so it's important to set the tone. You know what, I'm gonna do what God told me. Because here's the deal. Satan wants nothing more than to disrupt God's order in every area of your life. And there is an order God gives. It's just like in life. God says, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Well, how do you do that? Well, you find the right person. And then you're married. And then you begin doing the things that cause you to multiply and fill the earth. And there's a reason why God gave that order. It works best. You know, I'm not, this may shock some of you, but I'm not necessarily a mechanically inclined type of person. Okay? And there are times I try to fiddle with things and put them together. I don't mess with my cars. But imagine you took a vehicle to a mechanic. And he he comes back and says, okay, you know, I'm done. Hey, here's your car. You know, it'll start. Okay? He said, I, I took a bunch of parts out. And I figured out, you know, some things that were, and I put all the parts back. Now, I didn't put them back just like they had them, but they're in there, okay? Now, I changed some things around. I put this over here. I put this over there. I just didn't see. It. What's the point? I mean, why they got, I, I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why it this got to be here? I'm going to put it over there. How many of y'all would be like, oh, cool, man, I'm ready to go? No. You'd be like, hold on, dude. The guy that designed the car that made it to work put it in that order for a reason. And it's only gonna work the way he designed it to work if you put it back in the order that it came out. So go put it all back the way it's supposed to be. You see, God designed you. He knows how you work better than anybody else. And when he says this is the order, hey, I want you to do these things. I want you to do them this way. It's for your benefit. It's for your good, and we we're like, well, I know God said that, but you know, if we all end up kind of, th- you know, I'm gonna get, we're going to get married someday, isn't it all the same? Now, I want to say two things. First of all, I get it. Some of us didn't follow that order, and I want you to know, God is redemptive and forgiving, and he's merciful and God can use any of us. But I also tell you that the, the way things work the best is to do it the way God intended it. And you know what? Satan, is? Satan, he wants to get you off of his order in everything. If he can get you out of order in this area, he can get you out of order in another area because we can get used to just kind of doing things the way we want to and figuring out how it'll all work out. I'm not talking about your past. It's not trying to make you feel guilty about something you got out of order in the past. Hey, God's forgiven that, and you should live in that forgiveness. But what I'm saying is from this point on, if you got something out of order that you can get right, get it right. And the next thing that comes up, do it the way God told you to do it. It's important, and it matters. It matters when it comes to baptism. It matters when it comes to the way that we live. It matters when it comes to our obedience. God says this is how it works. When God says don't, he's saying don't get hurt. You know, you you think about the order. Well, what does that really matter? Well, I want you to look at the state of the family today in America. If you look at America as a whole, it's destroyed. Now, are there still families? Absolutely. Are there still people that are following God? Absolutely. But Satan has really succeeded in destroying the foundation of all society, which is the family, in a lot of ways. You look around, and you'll see. And it's the... you know, you talk about, what about, oh man, they got all this mess over here. All, almost nearly all of our ills as a society can be traced back to getting away from God's word and God's order in the way that we live as a society. How many, how many problems can you trace back to the failure of the family? And it's not because it's a failure of God, just because we failed to follow God's prescription for what family's supposed to be and how it's supposed to work. Order matters. You know, that last verse, I want to, here's the deal. God's not a God of disorder, but of what? Peace. Peace. When we're in God's order, there's peace. There's peace. Peace. And when we get out of that, it's chaos, it's strife, it's anxiety. It causes all kinds of consequences. God is a God, not of disorder, but of peace. The opposite of disorder is peace. So here's the thing. Some of you... Maybe you got baptized at an early age, you know. Maybe you, you've, for whatever reason, and you realize you got saved later on, or maybe it's just been recently and you've not been baptized, and you need to get that in order. And look, there's no judgment here. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to make you feel bad about the past. We're trying to, we want to give you an opportunity to get things in order. And so we're baptizing some people into this service. And so if you would like to be baptized today, maybe you weren't planning on it, it's okay. When I have everybody bow their heads during the invitation time, I'm going to tell the people that want to be baptized, you can get up right then. Ladies, you can go to this side, men to this side, and we got clothes and everything you need to be baptized. If you'd like to today. If you want to set it up with one of us to do it in the coming weeks, we're good with that too. We're just saying, hey, take a step in that direction. Move towards peace and god's order and and don't don't think well it's not that big a deal hey i get it it doesn't mean if you're not baptized that you're not saved but it's an opportunity to live in god's order and to choose and we want you to have that today now some of you you don't have a relationship with jesus and we want to give you the opportunity to do that too and so if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, maybe you're like those men that were there at Ephesus, that they, they, they knew, they believed there was a God, but they didn't understand that they needed a relationship with Jesus. They didn't understand how to be in a right relationship with God. And so I want to tell you how to do that. There's three simple things. Number one, you got to admit that you're a sinner. you got to turn away from your sins and turn to God. That's called repentance. It's a simple, it's a, it's a religious word, I get it. But repentance means turned away from it. It doesn't mean you're going to never sin again because we all sin. But that you're turning away from your way and you're turning to God. You're admitting, you know what, I'm a sinner for all sin and fall of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. Because we've all sinned. The second thing is you got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He's not just some guy He's God's only begotten son. And he loved the world enough that he came and he lived on this earth as we do for 30 years without sin, began a ministry, and then gave his life as a sacrifice for all of ours by dying on the cross, by being crucified, for agonizing hours of pain, to pay the full penalty of every sin I've ever committed and every sin you've ever committed. And then he rose on the third day because he proved that he's life and that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. And what he says he can do is he can forgive you of all your sins and he can bring you life. And then the third thing is you gotta confess him as Lord. Romans 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved it really is simple that wasn't easy it took Jesus doing all those things to pay the penalty to make it simple for us because he loves us and so today if you don't have a relationship with Christ I want to lead anyone that would like to in a prayer of salvation I want to introduce you to Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to ask forgiveness of your sins. I want you to meet him. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you're in right relationship with God, and that that's for eternal, eternity, from from now on, forever, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in your hearts, God will hear you, but I'm gonna ask right now that everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. Those who are being baptized, you can go ahead and go. Those who'd like to, you go ahead and go. And anyone who would like to pray the prayer of salvation, to be saved, to be forgiven, to be made right with God, you pray this prayer with me right now. Just repeat it after me, or you can pray in your own words, but pray with me now. Dear God, thank you for loving me, and thank you for Jesus. God I know I'm a sinner forgive me of my sins come into my heart my life clean me up make me yours I believe Jesus is your son I believe he died on the cross for my sins and I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now for those who prayed that, I don't want nobody looking around just yet. Please keep your heads head down. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it today, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to know that in that moment, the moment you believed, that you are saved and you are forgiven. That's what it says. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. You don't have to get up, I'm not gonna ask you to say anything in front of all these folks. But what I would like to do is to pray over you and encourage you. So if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you and make eye contact. So look up right now if you prayed that prayer today. Okay, all right. Okay, I see you, got you. All right. Okay. Now here's what I want to encourage you to do. In just a moment, I want to pray for you. But I would encourage you to tell somebody. You can tell one of us. We'd love to sit down with you and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. You don't even have to join our church and we're not going to ask anything from you. We just want to help. So there's a number on the screen. You can text that word to that number or you can open up a, a, just a couple of answers form on that with that QR code, which is also in your bulletin if you want to take it home and do it later. And if you do one of those things, we will get back with you and set up a time to talk either in person or on the phone, we'd love to talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to add you to a mailing list. We don't want anything from you. We really just want, we love helping people begin their new journey with Jesus. We'd love to get you a Bible, anything else you need. And so I'd encourage you to let somebody know. If you want to talk to somebody today, there's a information center in, in the foyer to my left. Just go over there and tell someone you'd like to talk to someone about it today and there are people here today that would love to talk with you about that. So I want to pray for you right now. Dear only Father, I pray for those that have made a decision today to trust you. I thank you for those that are being baptized today as a testimony for what you've done in their hearts and lives. And for those that made the decision today, God, I pray you'd bless them. Pray you'd speak to them through your word. Pray that you'd help them to find the right church, whether that's here or somewhere else. And Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. And Lord, we rejoice with the angels, at those whose names are now written down in the book in heaven and who belong to you forever. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for
0: listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email
2: to info at greenwoodbc.com.